Hello, it's Wednesday the 1st of November. I'm Miranda Sawyer and my WhatsApps never disappear. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we pick over the UK press like we're leading a government inquiry, meaning we ask very serious, detailed questions about their headlines and hot takes, when really we know they make most of their decisions in a mad panic because the page has to go right now and the big dog keeps changing his mind. We're out Monday to Friday, so that's every single weekday made better. The weekends can feel lonely without us, though, so why not become a Papercut supporter so you can get your hands on some exclusive merch and cheer up those sad sats and sons. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. Comings and goings. Dominic Cummings has given his version of what happened in government during 2020 to the Covid inquiry. Dom, dom, dom. <laughs> Yet more dom stuff as the press picks sides. Zip me up before you bro-bro. Buy a quarter-inch zip fleece is the city boy's jumper of choice. (laughs) And mine's an egg may OMG. (laughs) Why social media has decided that sandwiches are the best thing since sliced bread. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we gave up trolley management many years ago. I'm Miranda Sawyer, and with me on the show today is Boris Watcher of many years' service, the critic sketchwriter Robert Hutton. Hello, Rob. Hello. Also with us is Boris Mocker of, well, just as long as you want, comedian Marcus Brigstock. Hello, oh, Marcus. Oh, no. So, uh, thank you so, <laughs> so much. So, oh. so, what do we have on the front pages today? Rob, what do you have? Well, it's largely um, the super sore away COVID inquiry and different different takes by different papers. So the Daily Telegraph has decided that the baddie is Dominic Cummings. Way. Cummings fed toxic misogynistic culture in number 10. And they've managed to track down a photo of him looking slightly odd. Um, Which, uh, well done, that picture desk. (laughs) The Times has gone for Johnson, let elderly accept fate, which is the Prime Minister's view that old people should really just get on and die. Um, The Guardian leads on what's going on in Gaza with a big, devastating photo of airstrikes in a refugee camp. But underneath the the COVID inquiry lead is uh, Number 10's toxic culture laid bare at COVID inquiry. They're sort of attacking everyone. And the I has gone for the same as the Times. Old UK's old people should accept their fate from COVID. Boris Johnson's private stance revealed. Hmm. OK, Marcus, what do you have? Uh, well, I've got the mail. And yeah, similarly, they've gone now Cummings feels the heat uh, with another fairly wacky picture of Dominic Cummings. He's sort of not just holding, but pulling half his face across in a, in a hat that doesn't fit him. So... Uh, I mean, I'll be clear, that's not my main judgment on Dominic Cummings, (laughs) that his his hats aren't great. Uh, The Sun have got, well, half the page is Robbie Williams saying he's got menopause. You haven't, love. Uh, He says he has a low sex drive. No, you're just older. He can't sleep. Yeah, you're just older. And says he needs a neck lift and new teeth. Um, Yep. Fine. But the main headline, after going soft at hate demos, cops ripped down posters of Israeli children held hostage by Hamas. And they quote uh, Lee Anderson saying, how dare you? Um, The star, proud to love animals. Uh, Official verdict into government handling of the COVID crisis. Their headline is Britain, an apology. The star may have given the impression over the past few years that Boris Johnson and co were useless 
moronic, inept, pointless and pathetic clowns who were all out for themselves. It turns out they're much, 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 much worse than that. We're happy to set the record straight. Good old star. It's a lovely picture as well, isn't it? It's a cracking picture. Uh, It's Boris Johnson in full clown outfit. I think between that and Halloween, clowns have had a really awful week. Um, And, uh, yeah, the Mirror have gone with the the Boris Johnson quote that Dominic Cummings gave up. uh, Boris, the old, should accept their fate. But I had a different reading on this. I I didn't realise this was that he was suggesting COVID might kill a load of them. I thought it was that... You know, old people will just have to accept the fact that they are going to end up owning a house. And with that comes quite a lot of responsibility. Now, the COVID inquiry chaired by Baroness Hallam is still in its early stages and seems mostly to consist of forensic analysis of embarrassing WhatsApp messages or excuses as to why there aren't any WhatsApp messages to analyse. But yesterday, the testimony of what looked like a crumply shirted ET on steroids, but which turned out to be Dominic Cummings, was... A highlight. Is that the word? Hmm. Anyway, just to remind everyone, Cummings was chief of staff and Boris Johnson's right-hand man throughout the early stages of COVID until he was sacked in November 2020, along with Lee Kane, who had been Number 10's communications director. Both of them appeared yesterday. Rob, you heard both of them speak and you wrote a very funny column about it. What were the main points? If you had to boil it right down, it's that Don was right about everything and everyone else was wrong about everything. <laughs> OK. I mean, I'd say, should we move on? Yeah, that's it. That's just it. Yeah. But and he even predicted that in his, in his own blog before yes. the pandemic. He wrote, I think, I'm likely to be right about all of this. And then afterwards he wrote, yes, I was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was basically, that's essentially the overall vibe was he was right and everyone else was wrong. But I feel like we should go through the points. Should we go through the points? Right. So, Boris, what were his points about Boris? So his big point about Boris, which you may have heard before, is that he's a trolley. He's a shopping wonky shopping trolley. He swerves all over the place. He can't make his mind up. There's a great moment where one of the things the inquiries he's quite focused on is what was Boris Johnson doing for 10 days in February 2020 when he was not receiving any messages about COVID and he is widely believed to have disappeared off to try and write his book about whether Shakespeare was any good or not. Um, I mean, a question that sadly we will never learn the answer to. Um, Dominic Cummings has a unique take on this, or possibly not unique take, which is actually it was quite helpful that um, Boris Johnson disappeared because, to be honest, he would only have made things worse with his presence, which, I mean... He might not be wrong. He might not be. It's so <laughs> arrogant, though, isn't it? It's like, we don't need the Prime Minister. <laughs> we don't want the Prime Minister. He said if, it's a, if the Prime Minister got involved, he just said to everyone, oh, don't worry about it. It's just like slime flu. It'll blow over, you know. Yeah. So so he was sort of trying to keep him out of the loop. These, then they sort of get slightly further into March and Cummings realises that you're going to have to lock down. The herd immunity strategy won't work. And they're trying to persuade this. And other people, including... Um, interesting minor character uh, Rishi Sunak is going in and saying <laughs> you can't lock down. It's very important not to lock down. And there's this. There's basically this this battle to be the last person 
with Boris Johnson before he goes on telly to announce whatever he's going to announce because you will be the person who decides what he does. Wow, that's he's, so uh, He's mad. so Ron Burgundy, <laughs> isn't he? Isn't he? He's yeah. absolutely Ron Burgundy. He's just literally the last person to say a thing to him, that's what you get. Yeah. Wow. So, um, and there's a fantastic moment where Sunak has just been in to see him and I, I should apologise to listeners at this point because language is going to get a little bit fruity and Cummings complains to, I think, Lee Kane that Boris is now in full Jaws wank mode. Mm. Um, Boris used to have this joke that the great hero of Jaws is the mayor because the mayor keeps the beaches open. The thing about that joke is that it was a joke. Mm. And at some point, Boris forgot that it was a joke and it became what he actually thought. And and that and they all the way through there is that is sort of twenty twenty. There is this should I have I should have been the mayor in Jaws. Right. It would have been amazing if he had been the mayor in Jaws. <laughs> just just to unpack that for a moment, uh, claiming afterwards that it was the the fastest rollout of of Lilos yeah. that we've that we've seen. Yeah. Uh, extraordinary, far far faster than France yeah. managed we, to. If, and if we'd listened to the sheriff <laughs> and and the shark. <laughs> <laughs> we got the big calls right. Um, so uh, yeah, so that's that's essentially Boris uh, unable to make a decision, utterly unequipped for high office. Um, yeah, hard, I mean, to, hard to know how he got there. Really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, exactly. There is that point. You make that point in your column that essentially that he was there because Cummins and lots of people kind of helped him to get into to be prime minister. But there's a lot of kind of there's a lot of details in the WhatsApp where it seems that essentially Dominic Cummings is. Can, I can use the word bitching because that's exactly what think, he's doing. I think, I think he, I think in the he, scheme of the language <laughs> that was on on an official report yesterday and that the Today programme have had to work around so carefully, <laughs> I think you can say bitching, bitching. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So he was bitching to Lee Kane about the Prime Minister constantly saying yeah. he's really exhausting. I've said the same thing to him 10 fucking times and he still won't absorb it and that there's a really brilliant bit where um, Boris says to Dominic Cummings that he feels like um, being Prime Minister during the crisis made him feel like he was Inspector Clouseau in the Pink Panther. (laughs) I mean that's unbelievable. That's just so on the nose. (laughs) It's like too much, man. Wow. Anyway, so he's, yes, obviously he's concerned about Boris's uh, approach to managing the pandemic, but he really goes in on the cabinet. This is where Dominic Cummings kind of, I have to say, you know, pretty top-class swearing goes into like the the full mode, doesn't it? I mean, you say Secretary of State, I say useless fuck pig. (laughs) It's just unbelievable. um, Moron. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, terrifyingly shit. Yeah. Oh no, actually, sorry. That's the cabinet office. That's not the cabinet. I do apologise to the cabinet. The useless fuck pigs, morons, and uh, it's the cabinet office that were terrifyingly shit. He really goes for it, but when then when they ask him about it in the inquiry, he says, <laughs> "I was reflecting a widespread view amongst competent people at the centre of power at the time about the calibre of a lot of the senior people who were dealing with this crisis extremely badly." <laughs> it's, it's more than I can bear. It's more than I can bear. I don't. I, I don't think. That I don't. It's not that I think that Dominic Cummings literally went right. You're doing that job. You're doing that job. You're doing that job, and you'll be prime minister. And this is how this is. But he was largely the architect of this particular setup. This was Brexit ultra loyalists. The only reason these people were in these jobs was because they were loyal. You may as well have filled it with dogs. 
right? It would have looked so much cuter. If you just wanted loyalty, (laughs) put fucking dogs in there, not these people. They were all there for one purpose and one purpose alone, to not resist the the Brexit project. And so they were shit. None of these people were up to the the, the task, uh, being dealing with anything other than being loyal. Yeah, rant yes. over. Yeah, it's yes. fine. No, Good I, I, rant. No, we no, agree. No, fair. Yeah, <laughs> we we do agree. I mean, you know, it is quite a forensic uh, analysis of what went on because they have the WhatsApp. Yes. So on March the twelfth. So bear in mind, we then locked down about ten days after that. Yep. That um, when when Dominic Cummings was saying the cabinet office was terrifyingly shit. There's no plans. Da da da. Um, the, what actually happened was that one a spad said, look, it's not like chickenpox parties. Um, What is a SPAD? Special advisor. It's a political appointee rather than a civil servant. Because the head of the cabinet office, Mark Sedwell, was saying, look, everyone should just have chickenpox parties, but the equivalent equivalent of that with COVID. So everybody gets COVID, we get herd immunity, it's going to be fine. And this SPAD says, look, it's not the same because chickenpox doesn't spread exponentially and kill thousands and thousands of people. And finally, this landed. Like yeah. it's like mm. that was the turning point where they went, oh, oh, okay, maybe we should do something about this, and mm. then decided to lock down. And the reason why they didn't lock down straight away was they then had to get the plans together in a week. Mm. And there was, I mean, it, it's mental. I, I, I was I was doing a, a serious reporting job mm. in those days, and uh, and I could I can remember various of these briefings. I can actually remember saying to Chris Whitty on a. Very start of March, when they first sort of presented their plan, which uh, Lee Kane marvelously said yesterday, if that was your plan, then you didn't have a plan. Well, nevertheless, they presented this plan to us, and and we looked at it, and I said to Witty, my understanding is that you think I'm going to get COVID this year, and I'll be fine. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'll get COVID, I'll be ill, and then I'll be fine, and and that's and he said yes, yes, that's basically, which to be fair is more or less exactly what happened to me, possibly, in fact, at that briefing. Mm. Um, mm. I was in bed 10 days later. Um, the, th- the th- funny thing about this inquiry is is that we are now finding out that all of the stuff that we thought was true at the time that they denied was, in fact, true. Yeah. So yeah. you might have thought from the outside that it looked utterly chaotic and Boris Johnson looked completely unfit for, mm. for high office. But in fact, you know, at the time we were being told that he was brilliantly dynamic and making fantastic decisions. Actually, no, it, it turns out Boris Johnson was completely unfit for high office and it was yes. totally chaotic. Of course he I was. I mean, you, 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 <laughs> you might have thought that the government was operating a herd immunity strategy, which they weirdly then sort of spent months denying no herd mm. immunity was never our strategy and yeah. oh look no herd immunity herd immunity was the strategy yeah. um you might have thought that bribing everyone to go to restaurants in the middle of a global killer pandemic was possibly not the smartest idea it turns out yeah loads of people inside number 10 thought this was a terrible idea mm. too so it's this is this is just to be clear whose idea was that one that was rishi sunak's idea oh, whatever happened um, to him One thing that I think is extraordinary about these WhatsApps is that at no point, given this was this is the defining story of, of my lifetime, right? The mm. biggest thing that's happened globally since I've been alive, that none of them, including Superbrain Dominic Cummings, thought, guys, um, there's a chance someone will want to look at how we've dealt with this. Mm. Um, you know when I called Matt Hancock a 
six times in in the last message I sent you. One message. <laughs> I'm starting to think maybe we should we should maybe have those meetings face to face. That's really really odd. I, I don't think it's odd though because I, I think yeah. he wants it on record. Yeah, I think Dom always has an eye to the audience. He is the source for so yeah. many of these. So an awful lot of other people are deleting, as we're finding in Scotland, are at this point sort oh, of yes. ang- busily deleting messages. But Dom is screenshotting them. I think that we have always been getting the mm. hero Dom narrative. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm a long-time Dom watcher. I'm fascinated by Dom. And one of the things that I find fascinating about Dom is is the gap between... The Dom as Dom presents himself and the Dom as the written record reveals. Mm-hmm. Um, he does give a tremendously good analysis of of situations. He is very good on, look, you know, you had these things here and the problem with this kind of thinking is this. He's a and, nerd. Yeah, yeah, but but he's a nerd who, he's an articulate nerd. Mm-hmm. And then, just to the point, actually, I was I was sort of talking by by WhatsApp to um, another sketchwriter who was saying, "Gosh, this is this is all quite tedious, isn't it?" And then the council inquiry started to get to the bullying stuff, and it was just just a reminder of, "Oh, right, actually, hang on, right, you're not, in fact, some sort of Downing Street historian who was sat in the corner taking interesting notes about all of this stuff that's going on, and neither, in fact, are you, you know, the sort of the." West Wing superhero uh, character arriving to find out what's going wrong and shoot the troubles and all of that kind of thing. You are, in fact, one of the chief architects of this mm. situation. Yeah. And and your inability to see that is what's so... So there is there is sort of Dom as Dom sees himself and uh, and and Dom as, as we is. know he was. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it really pains me to say this, and I blame you, Miranda Sawyer, for making <laughs> making me read a Sarah Vine, uh, yes. uh, a, a Sarah Vine you know, article. Other views of Dom are available, and, mm. and conclude, yeah, all right. So Sarah Vine in the in the Mail says that she still thinks, despite them no longer being together, that Michael Gove is a pretty good judge of character, that he's forensic, and that he isn't afraid to say when someone's doing a bad job, and that Michael Gove's take is that Boris Johnson did. A good job, and she quotes Michael uh, as saying that uh, it was the best he'd seen him. But my understanding of what Sarah Vine's uh, article is really about is that Lee Kane and Dominic Cummings are still livid that they lost control of their sock puppet. Yeah, that's really what what their testimony is about. That they lost control of their man, and they thought the wonky wheeled trolley, provided you keep uh, both hands on the handle, you can sort of shove it down whichever aisle you want. And Boris Johnson stopped listening to them. Uh, you referred to it, Miranda. One of the messages from Lee Kane was, "I've told him ten times, mm. and he still doesn't get it," uh, because they were so arrogant in that position. It's a really interesting article. Uh, it does say at the end, which I think is quite telling, that uh, ultimately that has massively damaged the Conservative Party. And I did sort of go, I think you started with that sentence and then worked back. back from there to see how you could paint this in the brightest light possible. It's interesting because essentially the, the papers have different mm. a, approaches to mm. this. As, uh, as you mentioned, Rob, you, you know, who is the bad guy? Is it the bad guy Boris? Is the bad guy uh, Dominic Cummings? And in the mail, it's definitely the bad guy is 
Dominic Cummings yeah. and Boris is all right. And actually, weirdly, what, what Sarah Vine is doing there is putting the male's point of view across. Yeah. She doesn't mm-hmm. always do this. I mean, she rarely does it. But that's what she's saying. She's saying, actually, Cummings, this is her quote, Cummings, together with Kane and Simon Case, thought they were running the country with Boris as their puppet. When it transpired that it was not the case, they decided to exact their revenge. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what they're doing. We're, we're, we're seeing the revenge. Yeah, yeah. I think there, I did, there, there is definitely... Obviously, I, transparently, Tom, Tom is, is motivated by revenge. Mm-hmm. Also, he is he is motivated by a desire to justify himself. Very, very, very early in the pandemic, actually, I think the day before full lockdown was announced, the Sunday Times ran a piece about sort of ten days that shook Britain, and in it, it had a line that was not a not a Dom Cummings quote. But um, but was sort of presented as a, this was Dom's view in late February. Save the economy. Uh, if some old people die, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Go for herd immunity. And he was livid about this at the time. Absolutely furious. And indeed, his view is that this is the point at which people started demonstrating outside his house, and he became very worried about his family, and that possibly is what then led him to flee to Barnard Castle and all sorts of other things. This is this is an incredibly important inciting incident for Dom. And and I think he is still trying to get back from that to no, 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 no. Even though, in fact, more or less in his testimony yesterday, he confirmed that that was what they all thought. Mm. I, I mean, apart from let the old people die. But the mm. they what they did all think at the end of February, let's go for herd immunity. His point is, no, 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 no. I don't want you to think about that me. I want you to think about the March 12th me, the one who is saying mm. uh, we've got to lock down. That's, that's the me I want to be remembered. And I think he's desperately, you know, to, trying to get the right narrative mm. for himself. Yeah. There, there is a de- there's another detail about the inquiry which really kind of stopped me in my tracks because it's easy to get drawn into the high drama and the swearing and all the rest of it, that at the inquiry, which you don't see on camera, are bereaved families. There are a great many of them there. This pandemic was going to kill a lot of people. It was always going to. It even killed people in New Zealand where they were able to isolate themselves and lock down very, very completely. Not many people, but some. It was going to do that. Uh, But there are people who died as a result of mismanagement, and it's trying... I guess to get to the to the heart of that, and you, I just look at it and think, the inquiry would have to go back so far, it would have to go back way beyond the the COVID pandemic showing up. This wasn't just poor planning; this was structural uh, mismanagement and underfunding of the NHS mm. going way back. It was economic pressures as well. I mean, it, it's quite right to say you do have to think about the economy. You can't just lock everything down and go, right, no one get poorly. You have to keep some things going. But part of that is that a lot of places simply can't survive there being no money. Yeah. You know. So there is, I think, maybe a point to be made that the WhatsApp messages are just, I mean, you know, hilarious and we can talk about them and it's they're kind of very funny. But actually what really needs to be taken out of the inquiry are the genuinely important bits, which is like kind of the impact on children. Yeah. especially disadvantaged mm. children. Yeah. So what do you do about schools in a similar situation? And the really awful errors about care homes. Those are the two bits that I kind of think that need to be taken out rather than the jovial or non-jovial bitching on WhatsApp. Good news, your favourite history nerds are back. 
week. Yes, we at We Are History have been trawling the history shelves of our local bookshops. Well, I have, John. You mostly went round finding your books and moving them to the front of the displays. If I can find them, it's a bonus. We are ready to tell you all about what we've learned, from the revolting French to some revolting women. Via some Brits abroad and a foul-mouthed Irishman. So, download We Are History. Our laughable attempt at a silly history podcast. With me, John O'Farrell. And me, Angela Barnes. Wherever you get your podcasts. So look, just as a, a kind of a, like a, what should we call it? Um, a digestif <laughs> <laughs> from our WhatsApp section. Um, in T2, um, there is a piece about um, how WhatsApps in the COVID inquiry has um, taught us things about how we should be using WhatsApp. Esther Walker has written a do's and don'ts of messaging in light of the COVID inquiry. Okay, Um some of the things should be nicknames should only be used once. Doctor Death isn't strong enough. <laughs> <laughs> you should expect messages to be leaked. Beware the Boris Johnson in every WhatsApp group because there's always one who's basically misspells everything on purpose, posts to the wrong group. You know, you suddenly yeah. get some really dodgy picture. Like, ooh, that's not right. Don't send that to us. There's school WhatsApp groups of of parents listening to this now, going, "Oh God, who am I? Am I the who Boris Johnson?" I? Am I the Boris? <laughs> yeah. And the final one is don't send 35 messages when one will do. Mm. I think that that's an old person, young person divide. Young people say, like lots of messages. Yeah, yeah, but they don't like a phone call. <laughs> my, my, She's only 11 years younger than me. My wife is horrified if her phone rings. She's like, it's a call. This is a call, an actual call. What do they want? And I asked my younger kids about it, 21 and 18, and they were like, yeah, no one rings, Dad. Now, City AM has gone with a very different front page today. It's ignoring the crisis in the Middle East, the COVID inquiry, even Robbie Williams' menopause, and is going for the fact that a bar in the city has decided it's OK if customers come without a jacket on. Best-loved members club, the Walbrook, ditched its no-jackets rule. Male members can enjoy the facilities as long as they're wearing a collared shirt. But there's a picture isn't there, Marcus? That is very strange. It looks like it's AI generated to me. It is really, really strange. And the headline is, can anyone stop the quarter zip? <laughs> so, it's amazing. Uh, City Uniform takes another step towards the casual as prestigious members of club ditches jackets rule. So, yeah, this is three, three gentlemen, uh, one in a tie, the other two in check shirts with open collars. But they're all wearing jumpers that have a zip that starts mm, sort of three inches below the like chin. Like Yeah, slightly yeah. above the nip. Yeah. Um, and then you can sort of zip it up if something happens, I suppose, and you go outdoors. I mean... I'm not big on fashion, but I don't love these. But also, I don't love them on top of a shirt. It's just a jumper with a zip. and it, But the sales yeah. in John Lewis has gone up 64% apparently. So it's very, very big amongst a certain kind of person who is basically a rich guy who doesn't really know how to dress cash. Well, and melon-headed men. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I speak. I speak as a gentleman with a, a particularly large bonce, and there's there's many a turtleneck jumper that I've ruined on the first go, and thought that wants a toddler's zip in the side, or you know, the toddler jumpers buttons, with two little yeah, buttons yeah. over the shoulder. But I tell you, who does like a quarter zip is uh, is young Rishi Sunak. Mm. He likes a quarter yeah. zip and an ankle length trouser, which Always. I think is absolutely unforgivable. Yeah, I think it's so weird wearing a shirt underneath that kind of jumper though I think it's all wrong I have to say well it is weird but uh, uh, not as weird as City AM leading with it (laughs) (laughs) at the moment this is City AM I mean this is the one that's picked up by business people going in to, to, to move one set of numbers from one screen to another and hope that it's bigger when it arrives on screen two yes I do understand what you do Now, Paper Cuts is a long-time fan of great headlines. We liked them ages before everyone else got into them, actually. And we know all their biggest hits by heart, from gotcha to apocalypse cow. Are there any good ones today? Rob, what do you have? I'm in the sun, where there is fury at Boffin's call for (laughs) health warnings on meat. Um, Scientists calling for cigarette-style health warnings on meat have been accused of demonising shoppers. The headline is The Nanny Steak. Very good. That's yeah. good. That's and a solid seven, mm-hmm. isn't it? Really. Also, also in the in the sun, a fitness trainer is to become the first person to walk up and down Africa's highest mountain backwards. And <laughs> of course, why would you not? I mean, I, I just I read it. I don't yeah. write it. <laughs> and the headline is Peaky Behind Her. That's also quite good. That's yeah. all right. Yeah, that's like decent. That. That. They put decent. the work into that. Yep. Yeah. Okay, Marcus, what do you have? Uh, I've got an amazing story here in the mirror. Now, if there's anyone who owns a dog who's listening, bring your dog near to your speaker and play them this. A Spotify playlist of firework noises has been created to help dog owners prepare their pets for the whiz and bangs of Bonfire Night and Diwali, right? So you can you can play these to your animals so that they won't be too worried uh, on the night and go berserk. And the headline is, playlist full of bangers for dogs. Um, well, here's an exciting one in the star. Terrifying nuke to be built. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is exciting. We could just leave that there, couldn't we? Um, for, the, for those of you who have quite a warm and cosy relationship with nuclear weapons or simply don't find them scary anymore, <laughs> the US is planning to build a nuclear gravity bomb that's 24 times more powerful than those dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki during World War II. And the headline is... Boom in the USA. Way! Way! I I would think Bruce Springsteen will be absolutely thrilled with that. (laughs) Uh, Also in the star, (laughs) there's a great story here. Blighted by the bathroom hogs, they spend 32 minutes in the lav. Bathroom hoggers spend more than half an hour on the loo every morning. Um, I I must say, as a 50-year-old man, I find this quite strange that at 32 minutes that... People are quite happy to get up and walk away from a job half done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've, I've barely completed Twitter in the first 32 minutes.
Now, The Guardian has an intriguing piece on the cover of its G2 section about one man's search for the greatest sandwich. Barry Enderwick, who runs a social media account, Sandwiches of History, every day creates a different sandwich for his hundreds of thousands of followers. OK, Marcus. This will be fun. I know. This will we be were an absolute really hoot. excited about this. Yeah, weren't everyone we? loves a sandwich. Everyone loves a sandwich. This is going to be a great piece. Is it a great piece? This piece about sandwiches mm. that everyone loves. Yeah, in The Guardian. It's one of the most boring <laughs> things I've ever read in my life. Let me just be clear, for those of you unlucky enough to have missed this, right? They've got a, a picture reel down the side. Now, if you were doing a story about the most exciting sandwiches and all of that, you'd at the very least put some cracking looking sarnies down the side or mm. all over it so that anyone reading it goes, oh, don't you know, oh, I love a sigh. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Even the pictures made me go, I might lay off bread for a bit. <laughs> It's amazing, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, you know, I love The Guardian very much. Yes, you know, we all do. It does manage to turn everything into a thesis rather than a yeah. fun piece. With a piece like this, you just need the 10 best sandwiches. That's all you need, the 10 100%. best sandwiches. Buy this fella who knows lots about sandwiches. You do the 10 best, you do great pictures, and then you have celebrities' choice of sandwiches. That's it. Exactly. And you have <laughs> somewhere in the bottom right, you have a thing that says uh, the two faux pas of sandwich making, and yeah. you have have a sort of floppy single slice of bad cheese so that there's some a couple of funny picks in there as well. They yeah. haven't even managed that. No, it's just, I mean, it's a disappointment, I have to say. It Not is. everything has to be, I don't know, what can we say, worthy? No, they don't want exactly, worthy sandwiches. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And we're so close as well. Like As soon as um, Dog Scare Night is finished on the 5th of November, um, <laughs> then we're in we're in Christmas sandwich territory. Then you can go out and legitimately from early November. I won't have the whole Christmas tree and Christmas music thing in November or any of that. But my God, I'm all over a Christmas sarnie from November onwards. And that's the end of today's paper cuts. Thanks to Rob. Thank you. Thanks to Marcus. Thank you very much. If you'd like to hear about scumbag psycho chatbox taking over comedy, <laughs> and who wouldn't, then why not join our Papercut Supporters Club? For just £5 a month, you get a hidden extra story every day and the chance to get your hands on Papercut's T-shirts and mugs. Just follow the show notes to back.papercutshow.com to find out more. And our excellent supporters get a special shout-out on the show. Here are some excellent supporters now. Hello, and I'll see you at the inquiry, Peter Hanford. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, you are the absolute best, Mark Drew. Thanks. Hi, and thank God you're here, Kim Giddings. I've been Miranda Sawyer, and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when supermarkets are going to start selling pineapples without their crown to reduce waste. It's terrible. We've tried to stop this, but our efforts were fruitless. Hey! See you tomorrow. <laughs> Paper Cuts is written and presented by Miranda Sawyer with Rob Hutton and Marcus Bridgestock. Audio production and music are from Simon Williams. The show is produced by Liam Tate with assistant production from me, Adam Wright. Design is by James Parrott and the socials by Jess Harpin. The executive producer is Martin Boytosh. The managing editor is Jacob Jarvis and the group editor is Andrew Harrison. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production. <laughs> <laughs>